following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello, everyone. Pastor Alan here again. I'm here to share with you my special message for Good Friday, April the 10th, 2020, as we continue to be in the midst of this difficult time during this uh, uh, virus crisis that we're in. And I trust and I'm looking to the Lord that He might help us see uh, into some of what He's done very specifically as it relates to the, the current crisis that we're in. Uh, Good Friday, uh, some people think, is uh, is misnamed uh, because it's not, it doesn't seem to be something commemorating something good uh, in that uh, it's the, the traditional day that we commemorate, remember especially, we remember what Jesus has done for us every day, I hope, uh, but uh, many communities around the world take special time on this day, Good Friday, to remember uh, his suffering and death as we prepare to celebrate his great victory over the grave two days later in what in the English-speaking world is uh, traditionally called Easter Sunday. I like calling it Resurrection Day. Um, Good Friday, I mentioned this last year when I shared uh, the message with you in person, which I'm looking forward to doing again really soon. I mentioned last year that Good Friday is probably from um, the uh, the reference to God's Friday, and then this is just how it it developed in in the English language. So um, it's more of God's Friday than a Good Friday. In other cultures and languages, it might be called Great Friday, Great Friday, or or um, one that I like is Black Friday. I, when I say I like it, I don't really like it, you know. I like what the results are, but I don't like the process. And I don't think Jesus liked the process either. I I, I wonder if we think that you know, he just kind of came in and did what he did, and it didn't mean that much to him, but that couldn't be further from the truth. And for us to really understand and appreciate what he did, we need a a better grasp on on how he experienced what he did, or or the depths of what he really experienced, and uh, that's what I'm going to try to do uh, this morning. There's certain there's certain um, concepts when I read the Bible, whether I'm studying it to prepare to prepare a message, or it's for myself. I get caught by certain things I I encounter in the scriptures sometimes, and and sometimes it's really really clear. Other times, it's as if I've happened upon a treasure. I know it's a treasure, but I I don't really know what it is. I don't really know what it means, but I know it means something. And there's something about what I hope to share with you here now in this message. It's it's bigger and more than than what I'm able to comprehend, what I'm able to absorb. And I'm going to pray in a moment and ask that God opens our hearts and our minds to really catch, to really get what Jesus did for us by by coming to to suffer and and die for us. 
So before I go further, let me pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that through what we are thinking about in these days, we are remembering that you haven't left us to ourselves. And in a time like this, where so many people are struggling in so many different ways, and we don't know what's coming next, we don't know what's going to happen, we need to know that not only are you with us, but what does it mean that you are with us? Father, I want to understand that. I want my heart to be filled with that reality and that that truth. And may all those watching this or listening to this message, whether I explain it well or not, would you get through to all of us that we would be what you want us to be at this time and so that we would be a blessing to others in your name at this time. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday, I shared a message called Unchained. And as we think about what Jesus has done for us, I hope that we further understand what he's done to free us to be able to do what he wants us to do no matter what our circumstances are, whatever state we're in. We're in the midst of a plague. We're in the midst of a plague. And through what Jesus did on the cross, we could find his life. We could find his help. We can find freedom. And I'm going to try to explain how that how how that really is. So here we go. So uh, I'm going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 to 6. I'm going to be reading it in the English Standard Version. But you might want to get the broader context by reading the that whole section, which is actually Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 through 53 and verse 12. This is the great messianic prophecy, the one that changed my life. I, over 40 years ago, somebody shared with me another, uh, he was, I wasn't yet a Jewish believer. I was Jewish, but I wasn't yet a believer. So this Jewish believer from California was visiting Montreal and shared with me the messianic prophecies in my Bible, the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, never seen any of this before. And it so impacted me. And not, none of the scriptures impacted me to the, to the extent that the, this Isaiah passage did. And we're going to just look at a few verses. And so you might want to pause the video right here. Look at and read to yourselves or read out loud with the people that you're with. Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, verse 12. And then you can restart the video. We'll take it. Uh, we'll continue from there. So whether you've paused or not, Uh, I'm now going to read Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 6 in the English Standard Version. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, contrary to how my people, the Jewish people, long ago and and many still today, were what, what they're, contrary to what they're expecting, God, through the Hebrew prophets, predicted that when the promised deliverer, the Messiah, would come, he would not be well accepted, like Joseph was rejected by his brothers, like Moses was actually rejected um, by his own people before it was time for him to deliver the people. David had to run for his life uh, until it was time for him to become king. And so this this idea of not being accepted um, at the first is it's common. It's a common theme throughout the scriptures. And so it shouldn't be surprised that it would happen to the Messiah too, but that's not what was expected, even though the Isaiah prophecy is pretty clear. And that was one of the things that so struck me when uh, it was read to me uh, over 40 years ago, like I said, a few minutes ago. And so we see here uh, a picture being painted of this one who would suffer on behalf of his people but he himself would be despised. He himself would be rejected. He would be looked at as, as the people wouldn't really want to look at him. In fact, what we have here is really the picture of uh, very similar to someone who would be afflicted with leprosy. And as you might be aware, in biblical times, if somebody was afflicted with one of the skin diseases that at that time they called leprosy, uh, it was a broader definition uh, than uh, technical uh, leprosy today, but these were infectious skin diseases, and and people, if you were so afflicted, you were not supposed to be among others, like just today. So um, I went to the store, and and I was and um, we're seeing this more and more. Where here in in Ottawa, where in case you're watching this from somewhere else. So I'm in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and the capital of Canada. And um, so more and more stores have people standing outside and they're being let in one at a time. And so when it was, when I was, it was my turn, uh, I was in the front of the line, there was a security guard and he asked me some questions. And if I was showing any kinds of uh, flu symptoms, I would not be allowed in the store. And we're seeing it too. You know, we're we're not even necessarily afflicted ourselves from the illness. We we go for walks. I'm trying to go to for a couple of walks every day. And if you've been doing this, you know everyone's doing this this uh, COVID nineteen dance. So we're walking down the street or on the sidewalk, and you see somebody up ahead, and we want to make sure that we're two meters, six feet at least apart from each other. And so these people, and whoop, you know, staying away. And uh, so they took this very seriously in the ancient world, uh, with particularly with with leprosy su- sufferers, and people stayed away from them. They treated them as they're contaminated. Don't go near them. They were supposed to cover their mouths. They were to um, say unclean, unclean, and make sure that people would stay away from them. And this description of this person that we now know is the Messiah, Jesus. Uh, is is imaged in this way 
as somebody who's that kind of afflicted. But the problem is in many translations, like the one that I read, my, for my personal reading, I prefer the English Standard Version. Um, when I'm studying, I look at other translations. Um, I wish I could just fluently read the Hebrew. I'm a little familiar, but not not f- familiar enough. Uh, but in in the way this is translated here, you kind of miss some of the this idea that this person who was suffering on behalf of the sins of the people was actually afflicted with with disease, because that's actually what the words say. We in in many English translations we read about grief and uh, in, uh, iniquity. And iniquity uh, in some of your translations it actually means illness. But we miss it. And so I'm going to read it again in a older translation. This is actually, uh, we would call this a Jewish translation. So a Jewish publication society called the Jewish Publication Society. This is their translation from 1917. And uh, the I, th- I think specifically with what we're looking at uh, today, is they translate some of these words more accurately. And you're going to see in a moment that the the New Testament agrees with this Jewish Publication Society translation. Uh, In the Jewish world, there isn't a desire to connect this this as a messianic prophecy. Many Jewish people don't believe that this, uh, certainly doesn't believe, doesn't um, relate to Jesus. Um, I don't agree. I believe it does. And I won't get into the, the whys and wherefores of that. But in what we would call Christian translations, there seems to be a tendency to want to connect this passage as much as possible to Jesus. And it seems that's why some don't choose to use the terms illness and disease, because that doesn't really make much sense when we think of what Jesus did for us and what Jesus experienced. But I think it needs to make sense. And that's what I'm going to try to explain after I read this version. So here it is. Uh, I'm going to call it JPS, Jewish Publication Society, translation from 1917, Isaiah 53, 3-6 again. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of pains and acquainted with disease. And as one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely our diseases he did bear. And our pains he carried, whereas we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our welfare was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep did go astray. We turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath made to light on him the iniquity of us all. Remember, iniquity means disease or, or illness. And so all through here, this, this idea that he was like somebody who is um, afflicted with leprosy, and so he wanted to have nothing to do with him. But what we didn't realize is that he was afflicted for our healing. Now, this is exactly how the New Testament understands this passage. Matthew 8, verses 14 through 17, back to the English Standard Version. Matthew eight fourteen through 17, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. 
That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now, when you read the prophecy by itself, it sounds as if this person, especially in the JPS version and in some other English translations, in fact, the the official Bible of All Saints Lutheran, is uh, the New Revised Standard Version, and it does tend more towards using the term disease, which I would agree with, and I think is most helpful, especially as our society, the world, is afflicted with a disease currently. And so, it's very clear that uh, Matthew understood which means the disciples understood, and this is inspired writing, this is God's understanding and God's interpretation of the Isaiah prophecy. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. But how did Jesus bear our diseases? Now, some people think that because of this, no follower of Jesus should ever get sick. My issue with that is this thing called reality. Believers get sick. I don't think that's negative thinking. And so, maybe another time we could talk about this, and I, it's necessary, I believe, to talk about um, God's work of healing and how healing is available to us today. And how to minister in healing. I believe all that is real. But to, but even when we understand that God's healing power is available to people and that we've been called to minister as healing to, to others, people and believers, faithful, godly people, get sick and die. And you probably, you might know of people currently who are sick with COVID-19 maybe who have died COVID-19. And it would be very wrong of us to assume that this has happened because God was punishing them. I want to move on from that. We should come back to that another time. Um, so we will, God willing. But back to the question, how did Jesus bear our illnesses, our, our, took our illnesses and bore our diseases? especially if he did not remove all illness and disease from the earth. Now, he himself didn't get sick. We have no record of him having a cold or a flu or some other kind of disease. And yet, we're told that he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Well, here's how I think it works. Jesus submerged himself into the muck and mire of human darkness and felt the full weight of its burden through his life and carried that on the cross. And not just on the cross. Jesus didn't come into the world like Superman. He didn't leave his, his place in heaven and swoop in and, and, you know, stand up before the bad guys as you know, Superman bullets, 
bounced off his chest. They didn't have bullets back in the, in the first century. But they had bows and arrows. They had swords. We know he was not impenetrable. We know he was able to be cut and bleed and die. So he was vulnerable to injury and affliction just like anybody else. I still don't have any reason to believe that he ever got sick. But he did possess normal human weakness. And somehow his interaction with the world of his day oppressed him with the burden of normal the plight of, of, of being human. It's impossible for us to, to get any idea of what it must have been like for the Son of God to enter in to our sick world. And it is a sick world because of our first parents' rebellion against God in the Garden of Eden God cursed human beings and the whole creation. And it has been broken and hurting and oppressed and sick ever since. We are not what we were made to be. And somehow, Jesus had an awareness. He had an awareness of what sinlessness was like what perfection was really like the way that things should be and he entered into a world where everything was the way it should not be and you know how you could feel when when you you're aware of how things could be right or they were right but now they're wrong and how unsettling that might be some of us can hardly handle a frame a little off kilter you could drive you crazy and if it's not that there's probably something else that really irk when you encounter it, it really irks you so now picture the son of god coming into this existence now we and and how irked he must have felt how unsettled it must have been how sad it must have been sensing the tragedy that he came to resolve and, and what it would cost him to resolve all that was wrong with human existence and the world in which we live. And he encountered that all over the place. Everything wasn't working properly. Um, and he encountered broken relationships, um, family competition, uh, leaders who are more interested in the status quo than, than really caring for people. Uh, followers who should have known better, not really getting the message and not really following through with the very things that they had been learning. People seeing widows and orphans being oppressed by, by the rich and others that should know better. And all the day-to-day mess instability, hatred, 
all the terrible things that human beings experience every day. And we become kind of spoiled because we've got modern medicine, we have modern dentistry, you know, we have freezing. I recently had an, an operation on the back of my neck, and apart from the needles to freeze the back, I didn't feel a thing. Amazing. And it's, and you know what it's like if you've ever, you know, the gone for dentist work and just and the and the freezing wasn't ready or there wasn't enough freezing and and the pain well you know what the what toothache pain could be like and then the the, the fact that they can freeze you and and you don't feel a thing and that's all pretty new in the history of 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 human of of humankind people kind for you canadians out there um most of history hasn't been like that and even with the fact that we have all these wonderful things that have made us more comfortable, when you get really down into the nitty-gritty of human existence, we're very troubled. You know, um, relationships have never been so frayed. Uh, we're seeing the breakdown of the family, um, serial divorces. Um, uh, they promised that with abortion, abortion would be rare, and yet the 150 thousand babies are slaughtered in Canada every year out of abortion and apparently because they're unwanted no human being should be unwanted and when you live in a world where like what just because you're around how you know there's many of you watching this you grew up believing that you were unwanted and so human selfishness and on and on it goes and so sickness is just one of the ways that uh one of the symptoms of human brokenness and it's so prevalent and it always has been prevalent so what we're seeing now is is a worldwide plague but if it wasn't this human beings are suffering all over the world from all sorts of things and have been all through history. And so Jesus came into that darkness of human brokenness and frailty and pain and illness. And how he experienced it, I don't really know. We recently looked at the story of the woman with the 12-year hemorrhage and how she broke through the crowd and, and embarrassed herself, was willing to embarrass herself in order to maybe somehow touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And the reason why Jesus knew she had touched him is because he felt power go out from him. Now, I think what we do is we read almost like a comic book sci-fi um, image into that as if kind of when she touched him, he felt a zap. But I wonder if he felt um, a, that being sucked of power, that, that somehow something was being um, taken from him. And isn't this what people were doing? They were constantly taking from him and taking from him. And he was spending himself and spending himself as he, as he bore the brokenness of, 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 of humans until he faced the full brunt of that when he suffered uh, up to and on the cross. Now, look at this. This is from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, and it describes some of Jesus' experience uh, during the days of, of his ministry. 
It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. This is Hebrews 5, verse 7. I'll start again. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Again, so we think of him as Superman. That somehow he came in and did what he had to do about three years of his adult life until it got him to big, big trouble. And then he was unjustly um, sentenced to be executed on a Roman cross. But that's not how this is being described here. That he really struggled with what he went through as he endured human, the effects of human oppression and human sin and everything that he was doing. And it was hard and so uh, some people think this verse only uh, applies to what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane in the night that he was arrested, where he literally prayed his guts out. But it doesn't sound like that. It sounds as if this was his normal thing, how he cried out to God and cried out to God. It, his, his life on earth was hard, and it was hard on him as he bore our illnesses and bore our sin. Surely our diseases he did bear and our pains he carried. He endured all that for us. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest. Jesus is likened as the new high priest. There was this the chief priest, the top priest in the Jewish temple. And Jesus in the book of Hebrews is likened unto a new high priest. So, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin. And this is from the New Revised Standard Version. And many translations use tempted. I think theologians like that idea better. But actually, he was tested. He was tried. He was pushed He was burdened. He was oppressed by his life on earth. And he endured and he endured. And he he somehow um, felt the pain and the burden of all the mess that we're in, including sickness. I wish I could tell you exactly how, but I don't really understand, except for the fact that the Bible tells us that he did. That he somehow took on himself the oppressive burden of sickness. Jesus somehow, in some way, has borne the burden of COVID-19, the fear of it, the, the pain of it, the threat of death that it brings, even the death that it brings. Somehow, He took that upon himself, just like he took upon all the sin of the world on himself and took that to the cross and died and was buried. In a couple days, we're going to look at how he breaks the power of all that. Even though these things seem to, seem to, they are, they're going on. There's still sickness, there's still death. There's COVID-19, and it's scary, and it's having an effect on the whole world. How does Jesus free us from the power of something like a worldwide plague?
We're going to look at that in a couple of days. But for now, I want to close with the next verse, Hebrews 4, verse 16. I'm going to read 15 again, and then read 16, and then we will wrap it up. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. So what are we supposed to do about it? It tells us. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, we're going to look at this more. But for now, Jesus got through it. He got to the other side. He got to the place of resurrection. He got to the place of life. He endured to the end and conquered death. And somehow, his connection to our plight and getting to the other side, he's not just waiting for us there. That one day we too will get there. That will happen. We will get to the other side of this. But somehow, in the midst of our suffering, we can find the help of God because Jesus endured everything that we have to endure. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us to ourselves and to the plight of this difficult existence. We look to you. Would you help us to understand how your sons bearing the plight of our suffering show us how that should make a difference in our lives today. Thank you that you are not afar off, but that you have come near through your Son. We pray that you would help us to know how to face suffering, how to face this virus, whatever our relationship is to it at this point, how to trust you for others who might be afflicted, how to face the unknown in our day. Lord, you know You've conquered death through your Son, and you've promised to be with us. May the reality of that be ours, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Please comment or send me questions and comments. You can email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Feel free to share this video with anyone else that you think uh, might be benefited by it. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, for um, my message on the resurrection. Please be praying for me that uh, uh, God would speak to me and that I'd be able to share that with you. Please be praying for my family as I'm praying for yours. Send me your prayer requests and, and so I can know some actual details on, on how to pray. So until next time, this is Pastor Allen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.